You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans at NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday now, day after the Pelicans lose to the Dallas Mavericks, 122-119. Another close fourth quarter game where the Pelicans could not get it done, unfortunately for them. This has been a recurring theme, and we're going to talk about it and what's going on there. I've watched this a lot. I've got some of the diagnosis for why they struggle in the fourth quarter, and I think it's something we really need to take a look at. Though I will say, in this Dallas game, they played better in the fourth quarter, just not good enough, but at least there were some encouraging signs there. But this has been a problem for a number of games now. It seems like Anthony Davis has kind of drifted in and out of those games. We'll take a look at exactly why that's happening, how this can potentially improve as well. And then finally, quickly, we'll take a look at some of the Rajon Rondo comments that he made the other day um, prior to their game or after their game regarding that. He's also out with injury. So I'm going to take kind of a deepish dive into the fourth quarter woes of the Pelicans. If you want to know what's going on, make sure you stay tuned for the second segment. So before we recap the 122-119 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans, do want to mention you can get the Locked On Pelicans podcast from all of your smart devices. All you have to do is say play podcast Locked On Pelicans. That's play podcast Locked On Pelicans. You're going to get the latest episode of the podcast. Monday through Friday, no one else coming to you guys with this kind of regularity, bringing you everything you need to know about your favorite team. Or maybe it's just the team that you hope might trade Anthony Davis to you and you want to know what's going on there. I've learned there have been a lot of new listeners from that sort of thing. So anyway, 122-119 loss for the Pelicans, a game that went down to it in the fourth quarter and the Pelicans struggled again. We will talk about the fourth quarter woes um, coming up in the next bit here, but we do want to recap this game first, just quickly going through some of the numbers and everything we saw. Anthony Davis, almost 35 minutes in this one. 32 points, 18 rebounds. He was excellent. We're going to talk about him in the fourth quarter in the in a minute or two here, which will lead into the bigger discussion of what's going on in the fourth quarter for the Pelicans. But he was good in this game. There's just no two ways about it. The pregame Pelicans TV, um, uh, Pelicans Live, whatever it's called, really was harsh on him. You saw Nancy Lieberman straight up say he's not playing as hard as he could. David Wesley agreed with him uh, with her. Aaron Hardigan agreed with this as well. And and it was a largely, not negative AD, but very critical of AD. Pointedly so. I don't think he's kind of, um, you know, blame-free, if you want to use that phrase here, with whatever's going on with this Pelicans team. This It begins and ends with him, and he has, at times, not played nearly as well as he could, and it seems like he kind of just drifts in and out a little bit, just hasn't been as engaged. Not living up to all that preseason talk that he said for himself with him being the most dominant player in the league. He's been amazing. The numbers look good, and he can put that all up at 70% effort. So when he's not going 100%, and it's pretty obvious at times, It's a little bit disappointing for Pelicans fans. So I get it. And I get why people say this. Also with Anthony Davis keeping with this theme here too. When you look at what's going wrong with the Pelicans, his effort and getting him to play better is the easiest thing to, I use this with air quotes here, fix. 
You can't fix the injuries right away. You can't remake the roster, make a trade. That's going to be some patience required on that. Getting AD to play more or play better, I should say, is certainly a way that a lot of people are looking at this and being like, yeah, that can happen and maybe they win some games. It's the kind of quick fix, even though I don't think, again, this has been you know the majority on him. But anyway, great game from him in this one. Other players, not so much. Darius Miller in the starting lineup again for the Pelicans. Just six points, two of five from deep, didn't really do much else, only shot threes, had some horrible miscues on defense. He really hurt the team in this one. Julius Randle in 38 minutes of action, 23 points, four rebounds. His numbers look good. He got to the line 13 times. You got to like that. He shot 50% from deep, two of four. All that's pretty good. And then you look that he was largely ineffective anywhere else, was five of 16 from the field overall. The fact that he can get 23 points while shooting five of 16, really, really good sign. But late in the fourth quarter, he was taking some really difficult shots and really hurting the spacing and mucking things up. And that's going to be a theme here. Drew Holiday, 25 points on the night, six assists, five rebounds for him, three of five from deep. He was excellent in this one, I really thought. You saw him again in the second quarter really take over a game like he's done the past couple when AD's on the bench and he's out there trying to keep things afloat with the second unit. Gets aggressive, attacks. You have to like that from him. Tim Frazier in 23 minutes of action in this one, nine points was pretty Bad. The Dallas Mavericks went really big in this one with a bigger starting backcourt, and they've got Luka Doncic out there as well. He was playing the point guard position. You had Wes Matthews out there as well. Then Harrison Barnes. You've got Maxi Kleber out there along with DeAndre Jordan. His size disadvantage he has right there really hurt the Pels when he was out there in the minutes that he had. Not great. Couldn't really do much of anything. The assist number seven looked good, but eh. Not really what you want. Each one more, one of five. His offense this past month has completely dropped off a cliff. He struggled, was basically a non-factor at all in this one. Frank Jackson, I think, is the one people really are excited about. Almost 14 minutes for him. 10 points the fourth time he's done it this season. Two of two from deep. He had a nice dunk off a cut. He also had an unbelievable MJ-esque like layup reverse kind of Flying through the air along the baseline. It was awesome. Take a look at it if you haven't. Jalil Okafor, nine points in 17 minutes of action. Three of six from the field. Didn't didn't really do anything else. Didn't grab a rebound, which was kind of surprising. But he's continually having a good impact off the bench. I think you've got to try and get him some more minutes in this one. Luka Doncic had a battle with Drew Holiday throughout the game. 21 points, 10 assists, nine rebounds for him. He's Awesome. After Drew shut him down in the game earlier in the year in New Orleans, he had a big bounce back one in this. DeAndre Jordan, 20 and 12. You had Harrison Barnes put in 16 as well. JJ Barea, noted Pelicans killer, four of six from deep en route to 18 points. Then you had Devin Harris put in 16 as well. Their bench outscored the Pelicans bench. And basically, late in the fourth quarter, that was all she wrote. The Pelicans were in too big of a hole, really, for themselves themselves being meaning they don't have a lead to really get things going but their fourth quarter play was better and we'll talk about that why it was better and what's been going on with it throughout the past number of games coming right up but before we get to that I do have to say make sure you listen and subscribe to the locked on 
NBA podcast Monday through Friday, recapping everything you want to know that's going on around the association. Rumors are starting to fly a little bit. Some teams are starting to get good or bad. Note everything that's going on around the NBA with a quick, easy 30-minute or less podcast. And of course, I co-host the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. We have a lot of fun on there as well. Some great guests, including regulars like Sam Amick of The Athletic and Ben Golliver of The Washington Post. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. All right, fourth quarter woes. Crunch time, clutch time, whatever you want to call it. First and foremost, I don't like calling it clutch time. I think we've learned by now that a lot of the fourth quarter numbers can kind of be a little bit swingy and noisy. So when you look at these stats that are out there on NBA.com uh, slash stats, and these, these clutch numbers are a specific thing. It's within five points in a game with... Five minutes left, either ahead or behind. So you're either up by five or less or down by five or less in the final five minutes of a game. They call it clutch time. Some people call it crunch time. You know, think about like a quarterback on a two-minute drill. Some guys just kind of have it. John Elway leading comeback after comeback where you trust the ball in their hands more. It's trying to kind of measure something like that, and it gives it a name like that. I don't think you can really look at it like that. They've done enough studies on this, and they've run the numbers and reviewed enough film that you see guy. you know, it's not like Kobe Bryant's good with the ball in his hand or better than normal with the ball in his hand late in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. Same for Michael Jordan or these other guys. So I don't really like calling it these things because it has that kind of connotation with it. Well, I think it's just late game situation how are you executing and what's going on and in an NBA game with five guys on the court that play offense and defense there's a whole fucking lot going on that can make it really difficult to kind of quantify during that time but what these stats are are a record of what's happened and that's what all stats are they kind of have told you the story of what's occurred it's not necessarily a predictor it just kind of simply is the facts of how things happen so let's look at the fourth quarter of the Pelicans versus the Dallas Mavericks we've talked about and I've talked talked about it. Anthony Davis not getting the ball enough in late game situations. In the fourth quarter, he took nine shots, was five of nine. This is big for him because in the game against the Lakers, he was one of five, really just one of four because his one made, or sorry, zero for four because his made shot was a three with 15 seconds left in that game. He was 0 for four in the fourth quarter. You need him to get the ball. Going five of nine and being aggressive and attacking, and two of those nine shots were three-pointers, one to try and tie the game on the final, shot, basically, play of it where he missed, and then the possession before that. So he's five of seven when he's aggressive and attacking and playing his type of game. Some of them were tough shots, yes, but you'd rather have Anthony Davis maybe taking some of those tough shots than a guy like Darius Miller or Etwan Moore now taking a shot late in the game because they're just not playing well. It's not a crunch time, clutch time thing or a late game situation thing. It's you just don't want those dudes shooting. I'd rather have Anthony Davis taking that contested jumper that he knows he can shoot at least over someone versus him kicking out to some of those guys who you just don't trust whatsoever. I have more faith in Anthony Davis in these situations and in the fourth quarter than anyone else. And they got the ball to him and he was attacking and he was scoring. And that is exactly what you've wanted to see from this Pelicans team in late game situations when it's close. You have not not seen that enough. He stepped up. He played well. I've got no complaints with anything he really did in this game. The Pelicans realized what they needed to do. He got himself in deeper position to get the ball, to score on those shots too. That's some of it. You see him float around the three-point line, kind of taken out of plays a lot of the time in these late game situations. 
This ties into the larger part of what's going on with the Pelicans in the fourth quarter, and that's that he and Julius Randle in the fourth quarter do just can't coexist. I think when Miritich comes back, you have him over Randle in the fourth quarter without a freaking doubt. Um, they basically trade off, and it's your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. When AD has the ball, you see Randall in the corner or floating around the three-point line not doing anything at all. And when Randall has the ball, AD is doing that himself. He's in the corner. He's around the three-point line. Basically a non-factor in the play. It allows opponents to pack the paint against this Pelicans team and basically just then renders either AD or Randall useless unless they're actually being aggressive, which they were tonight. So part of it's on them with that. Now, this doesn't absolve, in my opinion, AD of necessarily anything. Yes, when Randall has the ball and it's just pushing AD away, it's just like, come on. AD's got to get in their faces about this almost, maybe, and Alvin Gentry maybe needs to do it as well. And Gentry said it in his post-game interview after this loss to the Dallas Mavericks of, we've got to get Anthony Davis the ball more. Fuck yes, you do. So it's just kind of wild that they haven't been able to do that and that they don't do it. And I think that's kind of been the big thing. This is on the entirety of the team for AD not getting the ball. It's also on him. There's no one reason. So when people want to blame it on one and then others want to defend it and say, no, it's this is all stupid. It's a number of factors that are kind of getting into this. And you know, it's on everybody. But that's been the biggest thing that kind of jumps out at me is how AD and Randall sharing the court, it just doesn't work. Let's take a look at Anthony Davis's numbers in clutch time, crunch time, late game situations. The Pelicans have played now, I think it's, uh, it, it doesn't even matter. We don't need to look at the this year's versus last year's. Again, these numbers can be swingy. So comparing the two, I don't think does a whole lot of good. Let's look at Anthony Davis's play in the fourth quarter compared to how he does throughout the regular game. We're going to run everything per 100 possessions here to just kind of even out the numbers since not every game is a late game situation like this with five points, five minutes or less. So you can't look at it on a per game basis. Look at Anthony Davis per 100 possessions. He takes 25 uh, field goal attempts. So 25 shots, 3.7 of them are three pointers in crunch clutch late game situations per 100 possessions. AD is taking 23.6 shots per 100 possessions. So it's down. He's taking fewer shots in the fourth quarter, basically is what this is saying. And then his three point attempts score. Guy Rocket, he's basically taking eight three-point attempts per 100 possessions compared to just 3.7 during the course of a game per 100 possessions. Five more, basically, three-pointers that he's taking. So it's away from the rim. You can look at his shot chart, and it's about 50-50 points in the paint versus not points in the paint. That's not what you want from Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter whatsoever. Some of this is on him. He's floating around and settling instead of trying to kind of score other ways. You've seen his assist numbers kind of jump in the fourth quarter when guys are making it, and his potential assist numbers are up because he's passing out of this. It's just not working. He's got to drive. He's got to try and beat a double team, even if it means taking a bad shot. And maybe that does something because what they've been doing just has not worked. That's the thing that really jumps out at me with this Pelicans team late in the fourth quarter is just the shot selection of Anthony Davis and basically the the coexisting with Randall, which just does not work. And that's kind of what it is. Now, these numbers are before the Dallas game since this hasn't updated yet. But that's kind of what's causing it from them. A more aggressive Anthony Davis in a number of these games, it would be 
they they turn into wins, I think, truly, when you really watch it. It was so on display in the game the other night. Now, this is just the offense where you see it kind of grind to a halt. You do have to get stops, and they did not do that against the Dallas Mavericks. you know. But their offense really does fall off a cliff in the fourth quarter. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the, the offensive rating just, it's a nosedive. Big thing is, just they he doesn't coexist with Randall out there, and it's leading to a lot of problems. So they've got to kind of figure this out some way, which maybe means pulling Randall as crazy as it is. Or hopefully once Miritich comes back, you get him in the lineup instead, and that makes things a little bit better, and AD can be kind of the go-to guy. But he's also got to demand the ball. He's got to just do something. I get it. He's a big. He's not a guard that can drive from the three-point line and score all the time or create things that way. You know, he needs good entry passes and the like. He's got to do more. And this is on Gentry, too. He's got to draw up offense that gets AD the ball more and just get it clear to these guys that it shouldn't be AD deferring to them as it so often is. It's them deferring to Anthony Davis. Now, there's some other factors as well that are leading to kind of some of these fourth quarter woes. And I talked about it on ESPN Radio here in New Orleans yesterday, 100.3, with Sharif Ishak and Gus Kattengill on the Sports Hangover. And we're going to talk about it in the next segment because it kind of leads into something with that, that Rajon Rondo said the other day, too, regarding him in the free agency with the New Orleans Pelicans. So it's not just AD and Randall in the fourth quarter, but a lot of like the culmination of a number of things, sometimes years in the making. And I'll let you guys know what that is coming right up. But before we do that, yes, Saints, these New Orleans Saints have the number one seed in the NFC. The road to the Super Bowl goes through the Superdome, which is a very tough place to play. And I know you're excited and I'm excited. Sometimes you kind of need that in the midst of this Pelican season. And we've got a podcast for you, though. If you want to know more and what's going to happen in the playoffs, all the insight you need to be a smarter football fan. And that is Locked on Saints with host Rosh Ross Jackson. Make sure you listen and subscribe throughout all of the playoffs and hopefully to the Super Bowl. So hopefully you're going to listen to a lot of podcasts here with the Locked on Saints podcast. So what did I mean about years in the making have kind of led the Pelicans to this situation? And what that is, this is kind of the culmination I see of a lot of things. And again, I talked about it on ESPN radio yesterday where it's Bad decision-making years ago that's kind of finally caught up. Maybe it's that Eric Gordon contract. Maybe it's the Omer Ashik contract, the Alexia Jinsa contract, the Solomon Hill contract. have finally caught up because the Pelicans don't nearly have the depth that they need to compete in this Western Conference to put a, or to put a title contender around Anthony Davis. It shouldn't be this bad without Alfred Payton. It shouldn't necessarily be this bad without Nikola Mirotic, but... Because of the lack of depth, because of some of the salary cap issues that the Pelicans have had, the trading away of the first round picks and all of that so you don't have those uh, young guys on cheap deals, you're kind of left in this situation where you're, where you're playing AD alongside Tim Frazier, Solomon Hill, Darius Miller, Etwan Moore, those kind of guys in a lineup like that and it's, it's a disaster and you were expecting it to go well. No, of course not. And that's because of the way this team's kind of been built, which has maybe been with somewhat of a plan that just hasn't worked out. I actually don't have many complaints about overall what Anthony or what Dell Demps wanted to do. And I think now that we really start to look at it with hindsight, it's just, oh God, no. And so that's what I mean. You know, when you sign Solomon Hill to that deal, it prevents you from signing other people. Same thing with the Omer Ashik deal. So it takes up your cap space where you can't sign cheap other role players or maybe better. Those things just didn't work 
work out. You have to then attach first round picks to guys like Omer Ashik and to some of these other deals to try and get rid of them after you already gave up a first round pick for them. So that's kind of been an issue too, that the lack of depth has really hurt them this season. It's really hurt them in the fourth quarter. It's one of the reasons why, despite saying he needs to manage their minutes, that AD and Drew play significant minutes on a night in night out basis and it's led them to the situation that they're in that basically one or two injuries to you know key guys and somewhat key guys can kind of just cripple your team as it has and now the Pelicans are kind of in a very tough spot from it and well this is kind of the culmination of a lot of things as I see it a little bit so that's part of the fourth quarter woes it ties in though to something that Rajon Rondo said the other day which I don't have the quote in front of me and so I'm paraphrasing where basically he was like yeah you know, I miss playing with the the Pelicans. I miss the team. I miss Alvin Gentry, someone he spoke very highly of. And it's like, hey, they, they could have signed me. They had the money. They just didn't want me. They didn't want DeMarcus Cousins. None of that is true. So as, as I talked about in the offseason, just my insight from people within the team and others around the league and um, other teams around the league, too, I should say, that they were they signed Alfred Payton to make Rondo to be Rondo's backup to add some depth there. You know, the Lakers offered him nine million. The Pelicans could have offered him that mid-level exception deal, the eight point six. It's four hundred thousand dollars more. They didn't have the money to sign him to nine, but they could have offered him 8.6 or they could have made it two years. Were they maybe not going to offer him the full mid-level exception? That's potentially it. Maybe that's what he means. But if they offer that to him, there's no Julius Randle here on this team, which maybe now that you look at it, he's either good or bad potentially. So it's it's that kind of thing that without the cap space, you can't necessarily re-sign Rondo and get in Julius Randle, guys that you would have liked to maybe have both at the same time. So I think that's kind of how it's really going on here. And that's what I mean by it's a culmination of things. Guys like that would make a big difference. And just having some other guys like that would make a real big difference. And then it's also complete BS that they wanted, uh, they didn't want DeMarcus Cousins. And it's also complete BS that's been reported on some of the TV stations here that, um, you know, Anthony Davis didn't want him there either. No, he wanted them there. He wanted both of them there and was a bit surprised by both of those signings going the wrong way. And Rondo, I think, was hurt. They didn't immediately try and re-sign him. And that's why when supposedly he got the offer from the Lakers, he went to the Pels and said, you have five minutes to match it. And they were kind of thrown through a loop. Probably it was, you have five minutes to give me the full mid-level. And they just didn't. And he left and didn't really give him much else of a choice. It's also not true that they didn't want to sign Randall or um, DeMarcus Cousins. They were going to re-sign him for less. And then Cousins, who was also kind of pissed they didn't go to him right away or, or make him a better offer, just did a spiteful move to take less money and go to the Warriors, which kind of worked. So I think that was kind of a big thing with that. So those Rondo comments don't pay any attention to it. It's not really anything like that, though. They're in kind of a situation where they had to make some of these tough choices because of some of the salary cap management and the previous signings that they had. So weird, tr- not not true what he's saying, but kind of weird flip side to it that there's some kind of other truth to it. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. There you go. That's why the Pelicans have a lot of fourth quarter woes. It's a lot of things coming back to bite them. And then a lot of just not the right fit with some of the guys on the court. But Alvin Gentry said after the game, we're going to get AD the ball more. Hopefully they do. It might be that simple, to be honest. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all next time.